0: Good morning, Chili Bible. Glad y'all are here this morning. I hope uh, those of you who uh, meet the appropriate qualifications of being either a visitor or a senior citizen have uh, uh, taken uh, advantage of the opportunity to park over here on the north end and be closer to the uh, worship center down here. Uh, If not, uh, next week, your opportunity. All right, Uh, if you got one of those... uh, if you get those uh, checks at once a month from the Social Security Administration, um, please uh, please take advantage of that opportunity to uh, park closer and not have to walk quite as far. Because uh, we're excited about being able to put that space to use, um, and, um, and it is available for you. Uh, let me ask you a question here as we look at Abraham's story, and it's going to be Abraham this week. Have you ever done anything... Or had anything happen to you where you really, really, really wanted to change your name? <laughs> okay. I have had this happen. I was about 17 years old. I was a band, uh, band uh, geek, nerd, whatever you call that. Um, I was in the band. I was the sousaphone player, one of about eight of these. And, you know, the sousaphone is that big horn that goes up around your body and comes out and got that giant bell. I was the tuba, part of the tuba section, right? And um, I look like I should play the tuba right now, but I did not look quite that way then. But anyway, we, we were at this basketball game. I was in the pep band, and it was our week to play that particular, uh, that particular game. And this is the biggest game that we have had all year. We're in sectionals, we're playing Lawrence North High School, which is one of the big city in, uh, Indianapolis high schools on the north side. It's about four thousand students then. I don't know how many now, but anyway, they had this kid who was gonna go D1 uh, basketball, and he was a giant. He was like six ten or something like that as a, as a sophomore in high school. He was a giant kid, and we were playing against him, and and we were winning. And the place is packed with like every person in town is there packed into this place. And we have the halftime show. And as part of the halftime show, we are playing this song called We Got the Beat from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, if you've ever seen that movie. Uh, And there's a long section. It's an 80s movie. And so, of course, it's not complete without a drum solo, right? So there's a drum solo at the end and all this. And. And out in the middle of the floor are all of the sousaphone section, including me. And uh, and and during the drum solo, on every whack of the bass drum, half of us are going forward with the horn, and half of us going back, and it's kind of makes kind of a cool effect supposedly. And I get down, and it's a, but it's a fast song, you know. It's bum 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 bum, you know. And so you're having to really crank this thing. And I come down with it, smack in it, and the back half of the horn then came unglued from the front half, and did about a loop and a half and skidded out across the middle of the floor, and there I am with the pipes and the mouthpiece, and the bell is elsewhere. Every girl that I had ever wanted to date while I was in high school is at this game watching this. And I want to sink into the floor. But instead, what I did was, with as much grace as I could muster, I walked across the middle of the gym, grabbed the back half of my instrument, and walked out the door. I thank God that that, that this was pre-YouTube. Okay? This would be one of these with about eight million hits. All right? Um, But... I wanted to change my name because after this, that event became known as, are you ready? The Joe Horn. Thank you very much. All right. Now, I wanted to change my name. I wanted to, like, move to a different state, go into witness protection, you know, uh, do something, anything, to reclaim whatever shred of dignity I had left. Now, I bring all that up for this reason, that this chapter, this uh, section of A- of Abram's story is all about names and getting new names and having new names of God revealed. And so, uh, and in Hebrew, what you did was, if you... If you wanted to commemorate something or to talk about what God was doing or had done in your life, you would give a place or even a person a new name. And both Abram and Sarai are going to get new names. And God is going to reveal himself by a new name. And then in addition to that, there, there's going to be a child that they're going to have together and he's going to get a name. And then God is going to respond also to a prayer of Abram with reference to his son. Based on his name, and that's uh, and so so that kind of gives you kind of the overall idea. And this chapter is about God's further reaffirmation of His covenant with Abram, and He chooses to underline the certainty that that covenant is going to come to pass through the changing of names. So be sure as you read through this that you don't just laugh at a funny story told by your pastor who is an idiot at times. Um, But that you pick up on the point, which is that names, especially in the Scripture, have significance and value. Look here, verses 1 to 8. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, "'As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations.'" I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you are now an alien, I will give you as an everlasting possession, to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God." Who remembers what happened last week? Operation Handmaiden is what happened last week, where Abram and Sarai got this bright idea, huh, we haven't had any kids yet, and so Abram, here's my servant girl, take her as a concubine, and that'll work out well. That'll be a good plan that we will go with. Abram goes with that plan, and it turns into disaster before the baby is even born, And you have this rivalry between the women, and eventually you're going to have rivalry between the children and even warfare between them. This is a bad idea. And you might be forgiven for wondering, again, as we have maybe wondered before, if it's this guy and these people through whom God is going to bring the promised seed of the woman that had been promised back in Genesis 3. Is God really going to keep his covenant with this person? I mean, look at all the things Abram has screwed up. He has put everything that God has promised at risk in one way or another. And yet, God is faithful. He shows up again. And he visits Abram in person, just like he did back in chapter 15 after Abram's last failure. God shows up again. And he comes with the same message, that my covenant with you is still valid. But there are some differences from last time, and those differences are significant. The first one I want you to notice is how God introduces himself. He says, it says, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Uh, the Hebrew for that is the word, is the words El. Shaddai. Okay, If you are a fan of old school Christian music, you know that song by Amy Grant and Michael Card and all that, right? Uh, El Shaddai, the Almighty God. God Almighty. This is the very first time that God ever introduces himself by that name in all of the scriptures. And this passage, I think, the reason that that God uses that name is that He is telling Abram, look, I am capable of doing anything. Anything that is consistent with God's character and his and is and is not logically contradictory. God is capable of doing anything. He says, I am God almighty. In other words, I'm not just stronger than everybody else. I have all power that there is. I can do anything that I choose. I am God Almighty, Abram. And by this time, Abram is 99 years old. And the years that have passed, you know, when we're, I don't know about ladies, but when when you're when you're eighteen, you are ten feet tall and bulletproof if you're a man. You are. You feel like you can conquer the world and you try. But the years since then have been abundant in Abram's case. And he is no longer ten feet tall and bulletproof. He is now probably walking with a cane. And God is saying, look, Abram, I am still capable of accomplishing my promises because I'm not limited like you are. I am almighty, and you need because of that, you need to walk in holiness before me. What's that a reminder of? Hey, that incident here back last chapter? Um, that wasn't exactly walking in holiness before me, Abram. You failed to trust and obey me, but I am almighty, and so I am trustworthy, and I am holy, so you better obey. It says, I want you to trust and obey me completely. And Abram does, when God shows up, he does what is the completely normal, natural thing. He falls down on his face in worship of God. If you ever have someone tell you that they saw a vision of the Lord and you ask them, "Well what did you do when this happened?" And they said, "Well you know I just kind of kept on talking to God. Really. <laughs> okay I heard I heard uh, there used to be a televangelist on TV and he's, he claimed that God would visit him in the morning in his bathroom while he was shaving. Okay, Uh, maybe, I don't know. But, you know, as the story went, he said, well, the people asked, well, what did you do then? He said, well, I just kept shaving, bet not. (laughs) If God, if the God of the universe, God Almighty shows up, I very much doubt you will, you will keep, you know, messing with Gillette here. Okay, you will do what Abram did, which is fall on your face and not just worship but a little bit of well justified fear. I mean we find we find a great white shark, you know, a 20-foot animal that big enough to swallow you to be terrifying. How about the the, the person who created that animal? God is to be approached with a with a reverent fear because he is holy and he is almighty, and he is powerful. And Abram has the right response, which is to fall on his face in worship. And God continues to speak. He says, I'm going to give you a new name, Abram. I'm going to give you a, a, a new way of looking at your life. His name means, his name is Abram, and which means exalted father, which is looking back, in other words, to his ancestors. It's saying, in other words, you descend from someone great, Abram. You're you have you're part of a royal lineage. You descend from someone great. And sometimes when people get into genealogies, you know, and they everybody likes to talk about, well, I'm descended from William the Conqueror, or I'm descended from Abraham Lincoln, or I'm descended from Pocahontas, I heard this week. Uh, you know, I'm descended from someone great in history that everyone would know, right? And God says to Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation. And so your name will no longer be Abram, it'll be Abraham, which means father of many. It's not a backward-looking name, it's a forward-looking name saying you're going to have a great future. You've not just had a great past, you're going to have a great future as you trust me and god repeatedly emphasizes the number of his descendants i'll make you very fruitful i'll make nations of you i'll establish my covenant between you and your descendants after you and for the generations to come and they will be and i'll be the god of your descendants after you and i'll give the land of canaan for you and your descendants after you in other words get the point big guy you're going to have descendants a lot of them And I will continue to be your God and the God of your descendants. And I'm going to give you the land where you're now dwelling as an alien. Abram owns at this point, or now it's Abraham, he owns no ground, not a speck. He is essentially permitted to squat on some land that belongs to Mamre the Amorite. He doesn't own any of it, he's cash renting. And pasture that's it and God says I'm going to give you this land as an everlasting possession it will always belong to you and to your family after you he's confirming the Covenant now in the next section uh, Abram uh, or Abraham gets an outward sign uh, of the Covenant that That both Abraham and everybody who wants to enjoy God's covenant with Abraham are going to have to take. And that sign is circumcision. Look here at the text. Then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You're to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh Will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Now, look at how much God emphasizes the importance of keeping this command. Over and over and over, God repeats, You and everybody who follows after you is to be circumcised. And he says it several different ways. He says, Three times, he says, Abraham, you and the generations after you should be circumcised. He says, two times, every male, both born in your house and bought with your money. In other words, everybody who's a natural descendant, everybody who is the descendant of a slave, every person who is a slave, all of those people, every male who is part of your household is to be circumcised. He says that keeping the covenant involves being circumcised and that failure to be circumcised is breaking the covenant and, and results in being excluded from the nation. They're not counted among the people of, of Abraham. He says to Abraham, you are to undergo circumcision. So with all of that underlining and repetition that God is doing, I think we're supposed to get the idea that they're supposed to be circumcised. I know that maybe maybe stating the obvious, but I'm serious. He says, "Abram, Abraham, you do this. You do this. You do this. You do this. You do this." And you know, if we find a command of God that's given to us that uh, it applies to the Christian life, now this doesn't necessarily, uh, as a believer in Christ, apply to us. But if you look in your Bible and you read a command that God gives, and he says it one time, it's worth taking seriously. But seven times in the space of five verses, I think God is trying to make a point. And he says, look, I don't want you to have any possibility of being confused on this, Abram. I, You know, I gave you commands about how many wives you were supposed to have, and you disobeyed those. So let's just make... Stupid and crystal clear that you know exactly what I mean. You are to be circumcised, you and every male in your house, and that brings up another issue: Why circumcision? What's the point of that? Well, I think it's. it's I think there are about three reasons. Uh, number one, a lot of the blessings that are connected with God's covenant with Abraham are centered around descendants and on the giving of descendants, which come about through reproduction. And so God says, we're going to mark your reproductive organ as a reminder that I have made promises to you, so that every time you go to the bathroom or whatever, you can see God has made promises to me, and this is the sign of God's promises. I think another reason, and it's a related one, is that sexual sin is one of life's biggest Temptations. It was a temptation for Abraham. It was a, it's a temptation for every person. And Jews were to be God's holy people. Remember, he said, you're to walk before me and be blameless. And so God has them all put a mark on themselves so that they will be different from all the other kinds of men reminding them that even in the most intimate areas of life that God expects them to be holy. And last, I think the symbol of cutting is significant. Remember that back in, uh, back in chapter 15 where it says that, that on that day God cut a covenant with, Ab- with, with Abram and that God walked between the pieces of the slaughtered animal. and and that that was the sign of God's covenant, and he cut a covenant. Well, here they're going to literally, on their own bodies, cut their covenant with God to remind them once again that that it is God himself who gives these blessings and that through being in covenant with God, these blessings are going to come. Uh, Let's read on here. I don't want to get too much into the weeds on circumcision god also said to abraham as for sarai your wife you will no longer call her sarai her name will be sarah i will bless her and i will surely give you a son by her i will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations kings of peoples will come from her Abraham fell face down, he laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Now, we get some more renaming. The name Sarai is not a real nice name. Don't name your daughter that. In Hebrew, it means probably the nicest word for it is the word contentious. Argumentative. Okay, um, Having a, a wife who is, whose name is contentious, probably not everybody's life goal. And God says, you're going to rename your wife. You're going to call her instead Sarah, which means princess. Now, that's a whole lot better. That's a big improvement <laughs> over contentious. Um, and it's because she is going to be the mother who is going to bring forth all of these nations and kings. All of the kings of Israel and Judah descend from this lady. And so, princess is an appropriate name. Guys, just as a tip, you have to choose. Princess cuts a lot more ice with your wife than you contentious woman. (laughs) Okay. Um, Just, that's free. You just write it down and obey it, all right? Um, Princess. Well, princess, what did you want? Okay. And, 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 and. Abraham hears this, that she's going to have children. And on hearing this, Abraham both worships God, says that he fell on his face and he continued to worship God, but he also laughs to himself. Because honestly, I mean, let's be real honest. The woman is 90 years old. And he thinks it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, consider this. Those of you who know Bill and Stacey Allison, how many of you know them? Yeah, there are our, our churches supported missionaries with Cadre International. Here, this last year, they had their um, or Cadre Ministries. They had um, they had their seventh child this year. Bill and Stacy are forty-seven, and so those of us who know them well had all kinds of fun with that. Um, I I told him I told him that he if he has a boy should name him Joseph because Joseph means may God add to me another. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, or at the very minimum, Isaac, you know, um, uh, because Isaac, which we find out here, means he laughs. Because Abram did. Abraham thought it was funny that my 90 year old wife is going to have a kid. I mean, consider this. She is nearly twice as old as Stacy Allison. And we have laughed and laughed about that. In fact, Bill and Stacy laughed a lot over it. Because. Uh, Stacy, in fact, uh, told me, you know, look, we didn't know if it was menopause or pregnancy. <laughs> okay? And, and here's the thing uh, Sarah has been postmenopausal for a while, and she never had any kids to start with. And so the idea that this is going to happen is funny. And so Abraham, bla- Abraham laughs. And he, and he says, look, will this really happen? And then he says, if only Ishmael, in other words, if only my son, remember his name, God hears, might live under your blessing. And God says, yep, it's going to happen. Your wife will bear you a son. And it's so funny, you're going to call him Isaac, which means he laughs. laughs. Okay. Yeah, it is funny when you really think about it. And he says, I will establish my covenant with him, and it will be an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. In other words, who's going to be the child who is going to carry on the blessing of God and and carry the covenant forward that God made with Abraham? Well, it's going to be Isaac, this boy. He laughs. And it's a reminder, I think, God God gives him that name as a reminder, don't laugh. It's funny, but don't laugh because I'm serious. I'm going to give you, I'm going to keep for you the promises that I have made to you. And the story goes on. Let's read on. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be a father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. And when he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household or bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them as God had told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that same day, and every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. You know, God mentioned, God says, look, yeah, I've heard you, and that's significant. Remember the last time we heard about God hearing? It was because God was hearing Hagar's cry for mercy from God. And here, it's used in a different way to remind Abraham, yes, I hear you about what you're saying about Ishmael, and I will bless him because of you. And he is going to be a mighty nation. In fact, there's going to be 12 rulers that come from him, just like there are 12 tribes that descend uh, through Isaac from Jacob. There's going to be 12 rulers, and he'll be a mighty nation. But covenant is going to come through Isaac, not through the son that came about through natural means, but the son that came about through God's intervention. When it was absolutely impossible, God intervened. And it's going to happen this time next year. And it says, the text says that on, the, on that very day after God had finished speaking, that Abraham was obedient and he carried out the command. And in fact, it repeatedly says that he carried out the command. Remember that God repeatedly gave the command. And so here we get a record that of repeated uh, expressions of the fact that Abraham obeyed it. God commanded him to do this over and over, and so over and over we're told he obeyed. As we, I think the writer wants to make it clear that in this instance, and this is Abraham at his best. In this instance, God gave a command, and, and Abraham immediately got busy carrying it out. Now, this cannot have been comfortable. There is a reason that when we circumcise babies, you do so um you know, in Jewish tradition, they do it on the eighth day. The reason is, is that there is a ability to heal on the eighth day for a little baby that is not present prior to that. I so, think God knew what he was doing. Yeah. But as an adult, or as a, as a 13-year-old, or certainly as an old man, 99, this could not have been anybody's favorite idea. You want us to do what? Yeah that uh okay and this is not this isn't a pre-surgical day we are not talking about going down to proctor and having anesthetic and uh you know steel scalpels and all that this is an uncomfortable thing but the whole point is that we're going to obey god even though it costs us some pain and discomfort now there are several things here i think in the text that god would have us learn And I just want to highlight just just three as we close. That number one, nothing, nothing is too hard for the Lord, the God Almighty. Sometimes we forget, I think, that we don't simply serve a God who is powerful and who is able sometimes to get us out of some jams. We serve the Lord. God almighty, almighty, not just mighty, almighty. And so there's nothing that's too hard for him. There's no task. There's no situation that's beyond his capabilities. And more than that, we serve a loving heavenly father. So he not only has all power to act on our behalf because he loves us, he wants to. And if we go to him, he is gracious, and he is loving, and he does provide out of his limitless resources for our needs. Nothing is too hard for the Lord, God Almighty. Nothing. And second thing here, it really is ridiculous when you think about it to believe that a 90-year-old woman and a 99-year-old man could be having their first baby together ridiculous. Really? You want to take odds on that happening? It's even more ridiculous to believe that a man who was crucified 2,000 years ago was also resurrected and is coming back to claim us who believe in him and bring us into a glorious kingdom. When you really think about it, that's a fairly far-fetched story. But here's the thing that we need to remember, and it's this. That God's promises are always kept. And one thing that we ought to remember as we read this story is that God was not just blowing smoke here. He told told Abraham, this time next year you're going to have a baby boy. And because it's so funny, name him, he laughs. And what happened? Well, about nine months later, here comes the baby. God's promises are always kept. And if God kept his promise to Abraham, just like he kept his promise to dozens of others. And Jim, by the way, I really appreciate you reading the scripture and picking that particular song. That By faith, we trust God. Why? Because God is trustworthy and he keeps his promises. No matter how out loud, outlandish they sound to us when we hear them, God does keep his promises. Is it ridiculous that a 90-year-old woman and a 99-year-old man are having their first baby? Yeah, but it happened. By God's power, it happened. Is it ridiculous to believe that a, that a Jewish carpenter's kid from a backwater part of Israel is the savior of the world? Yeah, it's ridiculous, but it happened exactly according to the plan and purpose and promise and power of God. Is it ridiculous to believe that that Jewish kid from nowhere grew up in Galilee, born in Bethlehem in a barn, became not only the Savior of the world, but is coming back to save the world again? Yeah, it's ridiculous, but guess what? It's also true. And Jesus is, will return. How do I know? Because God's promises are always 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 kept. Because God is faithful. Last thing, and and this is this is something for us all to remember that what God has clearly commanded, he expects to be clearly obeyed. Remember all the repetition in the text? You're to do this and your descendants after you. And you're to do this and your descendants after you. And you're to do this and your descendants after you. And your descendants after you. And everybody born in your house or bought with your money. Everybody bought with your money and born in your house. Repeated, 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 repeated. And then at the end, repeated, 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 repeated is the fact that Abraham obeyed. What God has clearly commanded, he expects to be clearly obeyed. And this is the hardest thing. God made command, gave commands to Abraham that he expected to obey that were going to cost Abraham some discomfort, some suffering, some pain. And yet, it was God's clear command. Very often, I think, we come at God's word and and we and we hear his will for us expressed in the scriptures and we go well that can't be what God meant because that would cause the following uncomfortable painful difficult things in my life to happen and that can't possibly what God be what God would want but here's the deal God commands a whole lot of things that are meant for our blessing. And that very often blessing does come through pain and difficulty and suffering. And so what God has clearly commanded, he expects to be clearly obeyed because he means for our obedience to result in blessing from him. And, you know, here's what I have found out in, in 10 years now of being a pastor is that people who are willing to obey God even if it costs them Have joy and delight and peace, even in the midst of great pain. And people who decide that, well, I'm going to obey God if it comports with what I think is a good idea. Their life is a train wreck. In fact, sometimes a series of train wrecks. And they think they're going to escape all this pain and difficulty. But actually what happens is they get deeper and deeper into it. And life becomes all uphill and no fun. And there's no joy in that. What God has clearly commanded, He expects to be clearly obeyed, because it's through obedience that we experience blessing from God, even in the midst of difficulty and suffering. Does that make sense, to everybody? All right. Let's pray. God our Heavenly Father, we pray for your grace. We know that you initiate relationship with us by grace because you choose us by grace. You have saved us through the blood of your Son by grace, and you change us into the image of your Son by grace. One day you will save us eternally, free us from sin, and make us to live with you in perfect peace environment as perfect people by your grace father our life with you is by grace from start to finish and father i pray this morning that you would give us your grace so that we would not only uh, desire to obey you but actually obey you that we would believe in the promises that you have made to us that we would trust you even when it's hard knowing that nothing is too hard for you, but that you can always deliver because you are always faithful, because you are an all-powerful God. And Father, I do thank you for your grace to me and to these, your people, for how you love us and keep us and will one day bring us home by your grace. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name and by your Holy Spirit, Amen.